Welcome to All the Things with the Magical Cartographers. We're your hostesses, Mel, changemaker and goddess, Jocelyn, story warrior, Ish, soulscape strategist, and KJ, expressive and compassion creatrix. We're here because we're sick of seeing women unable to be themselves or fulfill their potential because of tired old systems and paradigms. With these jam sessions, we're going beyond surface level conversations. If you're done talking, you're ready to be seen and heard. Hanging with us will inspire you to map a new way forward in your relationships, career, health, and how you show up for yourself in the world. Are you ready to join us? Hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of All the Things with the Magical Cartographers. My name is Ish, and I'm just going to set the tone and the stage for what you are going to be hearing today. The ladies and I, we don't really spend all of this time in preparation for an episode. A lot of our magic is in what is coming up for us in the moment. And when this conversation was recorded, the draft, a brief that was released regarding the Supreme Court's possible reversal of Roe v. Wade was occurring. And that brought up a lot of things for me and the ladies with respect to our autonomy, our decision-making for ourselves, what we're experiencing in the world. And we have skirted around and mentioned in a joking way, a lot of times in these prior episodes, about the patriarchy. It's something that is a pretty important issue for me as a woman and as a professional woman. And so we're really gonna now be delving a lot more into these hard conversations and topics that are around the patriarchy. And this is just the beginning of this conversation. So I want to set us up with the definition of patriarchy because it's not something we really defined during the episode and something to keep in mind. So patriarchy, the formal definition, is a system of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it. And so what we hope in our work as the magical cartographers and in having these conversations that we really dismantle and demolish this paradigm, but also very importantly, build something new where women, men, people of color, regardless of your sexual orientation, all have a major voice at the table that we sit at and that can drive the decisions that really impact the whole. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and that it gives you some room to think and some room to really contemplate what the patriarchy means in your life. And we would also love to hear what your thoughts are and what you've experienced with regard to the patriarchy and if you've seen good examples of it being built in a different way or a system being built in a different way that is more inclusive. Thank you. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back. We mentioned that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the patriarchy. We really never have, right, in any meaningful way. I was thinking about kind of multiple conversations about the patriarchy, about how the patriarchy is affecting us as we are moving from who we were to who we want to be. 
And I mean, this specifically came up around these issues of abortion rights and how this is going to prevent so many women from being able to move into the space that they want or need. And it stems from this bullshit that is totally unnecessary, but ingrained in our society. So I was thinking of multiple conversations that we could have around what the patriarchy kind of looks like for us individually, what that means to us and how we're seeing that play out, not just in our own lives, but kind of societally. So the realization for me, it keeps coming up about patriarchy in particular, is that it's a system that's been created that I was never meant to be a part of. It was not created for me. I was not meant to be at the table and fighting to be at the table in various ways. And I think what I've come to the realization now is it's really important to me to create the table that I want to be a part of and that I want other people to be a part of and not try so hard to fit into a system that wasn't designed for me to begin with. Yeah, I love that. And it's funny because I wrote it down kind of like a title. I can see like this overarching, the patriarchy, a system built not for us. And then underneath all the things that translates into in the more practical ways, we could have the big, the patriarchy and the history of America, but the ways that it manifests every day. I think that's the subtlety that people want to not focus on or they get lost in the fact that because it's not blatant in your face, it's not so bad. And I think even that issue of blending in, that's certainly a huge piece of it for all of us here. We are all in a system where none of this was built for us, people who look like us in many different ways. And so we've all had to find ways to fit in, to blend in, to find our way or create spaces that feel good, but we have to recognize they still are within this patriarchy. When we come out of our little bubble, we've got to deal with the patriarchy pissing on us and telling us it's rain. And we blend in the way we want to belong. Yes, I love that concept as well, the belonging. What we believe we need to do in order to belong and survive and what we have done, how we've interpreted it. So this is what I need to do to belong. How much of this is actually outside of what my comfort zone is or actually how much of this is a revealing of what I already am. And I think there's something here to be said also as we talk about blending in. What happens when you blend in so much that you forget what you were? When you fall into trying to be something else, trying to survive, trying to get along, that you no longer remember what you were that made you have to blend in in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that we're seeing is the stronghold of patriarchy, especially for a woman when it comes to choice, when it comes to our own personal agency, regardless of what that is. There have been so many strides that have been made over some, I consider, short amount of time because, you know, women in this country haven't had the right to vote until the early 1900s. But all of the things that went into gaining our personal agency has been around just really hard circumstances. I mean, I want people to remember that the right to vote came with women being jailed and forced that. And that even in the choices that we think that we have gained now over our own body and over our own right to live the way that we want to, 
what I'm seeing is that fight is going to really be where there are women that are going to suffer quite a bit in various ways to retain personal agency. The patriarchy doesn't really recognize, they don't understand that, they don't get it because they don't have to live that. They don't have to suffer that because they impose that on people. But I think that's what worries me and what I see happening is that all of the gains that have been made are really going backwards. But it empowers me more to want to create that table for myself and for other people so that we have our own power over what we want to do. What about the translucence? You're becoming one with what you're moving into. It's less about yourself, Mm. all the things that clothe you, less about the outside stuff, being able to blend in with what's around you and move through you. You're not stuck on it. There you have it. Beautiful, Jocelyn. That's lovely. There's this receiving piece that stands out for me with that translucence, which you beautifully said, Jocelyn, with the blending in, but there's a willingness and there's a freedom in accepting to blend in, to accept in that what surrounds you can be you or something along the lines of what you've created, becoming what you've created or accepting what you've created as well, this path that you've made that you're stepping into. Yeah, it's becoming what you are creating. Yeah. Because I think it's the motion. It's not maybe the past. I mean, we all are becoming what we are creating. But I think about KJ and Ish, you're like the screaming loud version of it, right? Especially you, Ish. You're the screaming loud version of creation and motion because it's not just blending into what you are becoming. It's how do you blend in to survive? Because translucence is all, I mean, there's camouflage. Yeah. How do you become something that you're not so you can survive in a system like a patriarchy? We're not only blending into what we are becoming, we blend in so that we can survive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we talk about the things that we take with us, the things that when we know we have to move forward, we know we have to move, whether it's a force to move, right? If we think about, again, kind of the beginnings of this country and people who were forced to be here and weren't able to bring anything physically with them and lost all heritage, all connection to nationality. As you move forward, how do you maintain, how do you hang on to anything that you've been able to create? How do you even hang on to, say, the memories of people past, of culture that you've lost? You can find bits and pieces. How do you carry that forward? All these pieces fit together. They're all little buckets that we've had to compartmentalize within because we've been trying to fit these in to a system that doesn't really want or allow for most of us. So that idea of blending in and that idea of women having to fight for our own autonomy and the extremes that we have to go to. I mean, the reason it took so long to get women's rights is because there was a whole gang of women who weren't on board. Their mindset was not about having autonomy for everyone, being allowed to voice opinion and be a part of the system. They were more ingrained and more concerned with their husbands and this life that the patriarchy, if you follow the rules. And so at what point do you move from belonging and trying to, you know, I got to do this thing. I have to be this person to at least get this, 
to at least have a home in a time where women could own shit and couldn't have shit and things in their name. I've got to at least do this to be able to find comfort, to be able to at least have the minimum. And now that I have that, am I going to rock the boat? Am I going to stand by when other people who, yes, may look like me, may have similar interests, but they want to rock the boat. They want to change things. And I don't know how that's going to affect me. And there's a reality there that I think also gets overlooked that when you don't know any different, when you don't know what else is possible, what else is out there, there's a lot of fear, a lot of fear from folks who may one day be allies, but fear that I don't want to lose what I have and you might ruin that for me. That's not a justification, but I think we see that whether it's women's rights, whether it's issues on race, whether it's issues on class, there's this mentality that there's a finite amount of resources or autonomy or whatever fill in the blank. And if you have some, then that takes away from what I have. And so this fear perpetuates that in many people. And I think we see that now so clearly in this Trump Republican Party. I mean, not that it didn't exist before Trump, let's be clear, but the way that he has emboldened not just white men, but especially white men to voice their concerns about, well, this was built for us, which is absolutely true. This was built for me. This country was built for me. And all of you are trying to take that away. And we want it back because there's only enough for us. Scarcity. That's the power in the patriarchy is to make people believe that there is scarcity, that there is not enough for everybody. Abundance only exists for a certain part of the population. And it's in any patriarchy. I want it to be clear that there's patriarchy that exists in other parts of the world, too. It's not that women's rights in other countries are so much better than they are here. And in fact, in a lot of countries, they are not better. But there is a suppression of knowledge and a suppression of data because when people can think and can use that to make choices that are right for them, that's something that the patriarchy doesn't like because it takes power away from a small group and emboldens and empowers individuals. And that's scary for the patriarchy. I think that's part of the great lie or the great misbelief of the patriarchy. Not only do they want us to believe they know what's better for us, they want us to be happy with what they're willing to give us and that we can't fight it. So take what we have given you and just be happy with it. And if things get really, really bad, we're not going to let things get really, really bad. We will step in and take care of you. Well, the lie is that they won't. But if you keep us believing, if we keep believing that they will, we're never going to be able to transcend out of this place and get away from them. So this idea of having to fight, Actually, earlier today, I was listening on a panel of AAPI folks who were talking about small business and with an LGBTQIA plus all the letters community. And a lot of organizations are kind of getting people together. They're merging different minority chambers and things like that together to celebrate that diversity. But we haven't really moved into any sustainable programming, sustainable work that we do all the time that includes these diverse populations of people. 
So my question was like, what are some suggestions you have for small businesses to create those environments? Similar to what you said, Jocelyn, it was like, well, you know, you have to, if you don't see a thing, like you have to create it. And that's something I've done for my whole life. I've had to. But when that person mentioned it, and even as you were talking, this feeling of like, but why do I have to keep fighting? At what point do I get to rest and just be able to exist and not have to fight just to be me? So I hear you. And yes, we're going to have to, but I'm tired. Yeah. I don't know if we ever get to rest. Mm. I don't. Mm. Do we ever get to rest in anything? And if we rest, is that when we get eaten by the machine? Is that we're going to keep you so tired that you just want to rest? And I think we've said this as well. And this is something that is so prevalent in my exact moment where we find ourselves right now is why is rest ostracized and called weak? Uh Why is that considered wrong and incorrect when in actuality we know science proves over and over that rest and replenishment is actually the key for us to keep moving. And so, I mean, survival and rest and the idea that you can't because then you'll fall behind or you'll be considered weak, that just incites me. Well, maybe ideally it's like the geese, the Canadian geese when they're flying, how they fly in formation and one is at the front and then it falls back to rest Mm -hmm. and is carried forward by the movement of the others. And then that one will fall back. So they're sharing the load and going forward so that the idea of rest is not, I'm just going to stop and like go hang out here at the pool for the next 100 years or whatever. But it's like, I don't need to be in the lead right now. Somebody else can be in the lead. My fight doesn't have to be as monumental as we feel it needs to be. Our fight can be supporting others who are up front, or it doesn't have to be that we all have to be spear carriers. 100%, Jocelyn. Mm -hmm. I think that that is so key is that, again, we don't do this as an individual. We do this as an individual within community. And that is just so important that we don't have to fight every day. Mm. We can take a rest, which is really important for replenishment because we have a community of people who have the same why. And here we are, the four of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are doing, we are fighting just by being here and having conversations and talking and chatting and putting our voice out there. The other part of it is the system. And I'm focusing on this word, the system, because I want to go back to something that Mel brought up. I think sometimes we come down to color issues, but the system, as Mel pointed out, doesn't have to be a particular color. It's a way of thinking. The patriarchy is a way of thinking. And I've seen people of color who believe in a way of thinking that is oppressive because it is ingrained. And until you can understand whether that why is really how you want to be, it can dictate the story. We have a community and there is a community that helps move us forward and understanding and knowing that part of the system wants to keep the community separated is really important in understanding that. So we need to let each other rest and we need to let each other help move us forward. KJ, I see you in deep contemplation and I'm so curious. (laughs) 
There's just so many points that are landing with me and I wasn't sure which one I felt would like to speak to or at least speak to first. With what's going on in terms of what may, what will be overturned with the Supreme Court. And what's happened is that adoption has always been an interesting topic, but now it's being used as sort of this alternative, this politicized alternative, which is really, really frustrating to me. And it's really triggering and bringing up a lot of folks in my adoptee communities really beginning to step up. And you ladies have known this, and I'm really only brushing the surface with my own exploration about my heritage, simply because I haven't been exposed to it being a transracial adoptee. So everything that we're speaking about right now is like simmering in me, and it's touching on all of these topics and ideas that I've always wanted to talk about, but haven't really felt like there was a space or a platform. Some of it's because I don't know quite how to articulate So I think overall at this point, what I can say is that I'm just really grateful that we have this container, this space in this group of incredibly articulate and thoughtful women where it feels safe, where I can perhaps explore it. I first was about to make a comment about how I've always, always felt like the term and the movement of suffrage has always been very, very confusing to me because it relates so closely to the actual word of suffering. But then when we think about it, oh, hell yeah, there's been suffering for suffrage. And I just wanted to observe and notice that the suffering and the noticing and the being able to speak up about the suffering actually led to and leads to these conversations and the fact that there was movement and the suffrage movement then was created because a woman stood up and said, is this really how it's supposed to be? When's it my turn? When do I get to have something to say? And then she was promptly jailed. But what that did was it sort of elicited these reactions from other people who maybe it was dormant for. They didn't understand that there was a place for them to speak up. So I don't know that I have a specific thing to say, but I have all the things to say. And so what you saw, we'll just call it like contemplation and (laughs) we'll call it deep contemplation. But I really was trying to figure out where to start. And just even this conversation of what do we take with? How do we take these steps when we know it's, again, our turn? Or why have we had to wait and then suffer? And for something that is a divine but true birthright, even though I was raised by a single woman, talk about she tried to survive and she did the very damn best thing that she could to raise us kids as a single woman. But she had to do that in terms of stepping into her survival boots. And she had to put her survival kit together and she had to blend in. As we've talked about earlier in the show, she had to play the rules. And these were rules that were constructed by an oppressive, racist, misogynistic board. So yeah, I mean, I could talk for hours if I could just hone in. Anyway, all of this is just really fascinating to me and really inspiring and triggering and all of it. This idea of belonging and this autonomy and how do you take with you the weight of what the patriarchy has created based on all the little categories you fit into. So I'm a Black gay woman who grew up very poor. There's a bunch of other boxes that I tick off that, again, are not at all supported by what the patriarchy is about. How do I know which pieces are, quote unquote, important? I spend a lot of time worrying that I'm not enough of any of those categories. 
So this idea of bringing things along, there's always this question mark of, is this something that's really valuable to a piece of who I am? Or is this part of the code switching that I've had to learn in order to fit in to this space that really doesn't want me here? And I'm thinking about blending in and how do we blend in into what we want to become? How do we make that transcendence into what we want to become and not be held back by what we've had to blend into for survival? How do we step out of the one and move into the next? Because I think that's something we're being forced to face, especially now. How do we become and what do we become coming out of being? I mean, we're in the last couple of years, we're being forced to fight for things that most of us have not really thought were battles we are going to have to get into. And I think it's becoming very, very clear. We've got to armor up. If we want to transcend, if we want to move into something else, we are going to have to fight for that forward motion. We can't just assume it's going to happen. Jocelyn, you just reminded me of a quote that I heard and then saw all on the same day, which of course means that it was meant. It was along the lines of, you will not be saved. No one is coming to save you. So you might as well get the fuck in gear and step up for you. Save yourself. Um, Jesus isn't even going to save us. Right, right. right. But also then I'm aware that that very individualistic idea in and of itself is very masculine. It's an antithesis to the feminine of, well, let's collaborate. Let's work together. Why do we have to save ourselves? Why couldn't we partner up and build community over competition to be successful? So I don't know. There's a couple of things there. But yeah, you just reminded me that I'd seen that quote, heard it all on the same day of like, you're not going to be saved. So step up. It's you. But then there's that, wow, God, Jesus, why can't I think that perhaps there could be some sort of partnering involved? Like, why does it have to be this isolated, individualistic, masculine way to succeed or to get our voices heard? Well, and I think if we're all moving forward together, we can all hold each other's hands. But yeah. I think at the very least, we have to recognize there's nothing going to save us. Yeah. I can hold your hand. I can't save you. But if you're going to come along with me and I'm going to come along with Mel and we're going to come along with Ish and we're going to come along with our neighbors, we can all move forward together. And, you know, the patriarchy is a system. So it's not a specific person. It's a system. And one of the things I keep coming back to is that how do you move forward and how is it that the patriarchy continues to move forward and how do people move forward from that? And I often think it comes back to the why. There is a why behind the patriarchy. And if you believe in that, you're going to do the what and the how of that. And you're going to move that forward. And when you disconnect from that why, or you are doing the what and the how, and you don't understand why you're doing it, that's when you break away from that, or that's when you break away from anything. Because you can only do the what and how for so long if you're not connected to a why. 
And so when you are connected to a why, you're going to continue down that road. And at the end of the day, as I, you know, my almost 50 years of being here is I think that's what I really need to transcend, to move forward, to blend in in a way and belong in a way that I want to is to take that why with me because it's all I really need. The what and the how will come about if I have the why. I think that's the overarching kind of message that finding the why in all of this for all of us beyond the tenets of the patriarchy, which is difficult if you don't know what's even happening. Like when people talk about racism, they're like, there's not racism. We had a black president. Okay. So when you know what racism actually is and its foundation, then you can recognize that there isn't one thing that's going to eliminate racism. And you know that it's not just white people who are the ones perpetuating racism. It's ingrained in all of us. The systems that were created were created based on racist tenets, just like the patriarchy. It's a combination of so many things. And so instead of trying to figure out piece by piece by piece, well, we did this one thing. And so this thing is better. Finding what our why is at the end of all of it is what's going to help everyone get to a space that isn't as reliant on these systems. It's going to get us to a place where we can finally see like, what could life be like if I knew who I was inside this patriarchy bubble, who I was inside this racism bubble? Because when you can find yourself in those spaces, then you can find the door. I think that's why it's so important that there are conversations about race and why people who want to perpetuate racism and the practices that were built upon them, why they're so adamant that we not talk about the past, that we not talk about race, because then their little mirage goes away when you pull back the curtain. And so there's a reason that all of these people don't want to have these discussions. There's a reason that all of these, especially white male senators and congresspeople, are so obsessed with abortion. Because once you can take away one, that opens the door to the next one and the next one and the next one. And I think that when we have these conversations, especially about autonomy, that's the message that we all need to really hear clearly is that it isn't just about abortion, whether or not a woman can have an abortion. It's about who the fuck gives you the right to tell me I can't do something with my body. And if you are allowed to say that to me today, then guess what? They're going to say that to you tomorrow. And so that's what this layering is. And so I love that idea of talking more about that why-ish and helping us to work towards finding what that why is for each of us. So I know we were all over the place. And that's because this is a very fluid conversation that we are going to have together and hopefully with you all. It's going to be a lot of intense personal work for each of us, but it's important to have these conversations and we want to make sure that you feel as included as possible throughout this journey. So share with us your stories, your concerns, your topics. Let us know if you'd like to join us either on the podcast or in our live versions because your voice matters and we want to hear it. All I can say is buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Thanks, folks. 
Thanks so much for listening in. We hope you had as much fun as we did. If so, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening right now, because you don't want to miss our next juicy conversation. And speaking of conversations, make sure to join us for all the things live. That's right, live, where we continue the conversation from this episode and invite you to weigh in live and in color. TTYL, for all the 40s and over, that's talk to you later. <laughs>